You may be seated. Last week we observed the authority and the amazement of Christ, didn't we? We saw Him teaching and casting out demons. We learned that His authority is strangely different. And that it brings unity and majesty and rest. It was just the passage before that we looked at last week. And now we look at verses 29 to verses, verse 39. This week, we continue to observe Christ's authority. But this time we see that He is not only uniting and astonishing, but He is sending on mission. And so on this Mission Sunday, let us observe our Lord Jesus Christ and see what it means to live on mission. And so I invite you to open up your Bibles or your service booklets to our gospel passage this morning. Mark chapter 1, verses 29 to 39. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. In our colic this morning, we prayed for the household of God, that she might be steadfast in her true devotion, trusting not in anything else, but what? What was it that we prayed? That we might trust in our Lord's heavenly grace, and by doing so, We prayed that we would be defended by his mighty power. You see, our prayer for today is intimately aware of the spiritual forces at play, particularly as we consider the mission of God. Yes, we are in need of healing and we are in need of being made whole. And I am reminded of how my former professor and pastor friend of mine, Lyle Dorsett, used to liken the church as a hospital, a place with people who are in need of healing and wholeness. And this is what we see in our passage, albeit those who are sick, oppressed by demons and distracted by their own sick, sin sick selves. We are in need of healing and in need of being made whole. And here Jesus shows that his health care reaches from synagogue to Simon's home. We are told that he immediately left one and entered the other. He left one and he entered the other. Now, this is significant because there has been an archaeological study that supports that Simon's house may have been as close as next door to the synagogue, maybe even connected to the synagogue. There certainly was a home that archaeologists confirm was used as a church. Now, there's great insight, I believe, in linking together these two places, home and house of worship. Synagogue is the place of the word. It's a place of public worship where the Holy Scriptures were taught and exposited. And a home is a place of weakness. It's where we privately rest and retire from our work. It's where one is isolated and tormented by sickness, sin, and spiritual forces. It is that private place whereby we must pray. 
Yes, the home is that place whereby the darkness of the night seems to creep into our hearts. It is that place whereby we lie sick and tormented. It is that place whereby we must pray. But Christ links household with household of God. Yes, nothing shall separate us from Christ, Paul writes. Not death or life or angels or rulers. Not things present or things to come. Not height or depth or anything else in creation. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. If God be for us, who can be against us? It is God in Christ Jesus who immediately leaves synagogue and enters Simon's home. If we are to live on mission, then God's word must reach our weaknesses. His house must extend to our homes, whether it is through Sunday worship or neighborhood gatherings, Christian education or pastoral visits. Christ's word must go from house of worship to homes of worshipers. So these two images of synagogue and Simon's home reveal both the good news of the household of God and his glorious mission. Now look with me at verses 30 and 31. These verses beautifully portray the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are told that Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told Jesus about her. And then Jesus, and then we are told that Jesus came and took, he took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. Notice the gospel descriptive verbs here. Came, took, and lifted. God came and became flesh and dwelt among us. He took our sickness and sin upon himself unto death. And he was lifted or raised from the dead so that we too may be resurrected in Christ. And healed and made whole. When Christ enters our home, we discover not only our need for healing, but his power to make us whole. And so let us welcome Christ and his disciples into our homes So that we might learn of our need for healing and his power to make us whole. And let us be quick to tell Christ about those who are suffering. So that we might witness his marvelous healing. Notice how Simon's mother-in-law went from laying ill with a fever to serving them. Here we are given a glimpse of what happens when we are touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he comes and takes and lifts, he sets our hearts on fire with a love for him so that like Simon's mother-in-law, we are made healthy to serve. God sets her on mission. She served all of them, we are told. She did not discriminate, but served all of them. Why? Because she served the Alpha and the Omega. She served him who is Lord of the Sabbath. Him who is before all things and holds all things together. And because of her service to Christ, she served all. The household of God is not simply a public place of worship, but it is also a private place of worship. 
whereby we learn of those who lay ill and are in need of healing. It is that place whereby Christ enters and takes and sets us on mission through his word and through his spirit. And so let us welcome him into those most private places of our lives so that we might be restored and made instruments of restoration to others. Now notice that Simon was not unmarried like some have espoused, but that this great apostle of the church, who Christ would later name as Peter, had a wife because his mother-in-law lay ill with a fever. Now some might ask, what does this have to do with the good news? of the household of God in her glorious mission? And my answer to that is the very word of God. We must treasure the word of God and order our lives around it. If we are to live on mission, then we must preach God's word, whether it fits within our system or whether we like it or not. Here we find Peter, an apostle, for whom we are to listen, a married man. So let us acknowledge this truth and rejoice that pastors need not to carry a burden that they are not meant to carry. Let us order our lives around God's word. Yes, let us hear God's word. You see, when Christ links the holy with the home, notice how all who are sick and oppressed by demons are brought to him. Here we are given an image that conjures the scene from the popular TV series, The Walking Dead. All are brought to him with diseases, sickness, oppression. We are told that on that same day, at sundown, the sick and those who were oppressed by demons were brought to him. We see a great display of Christ's power and authority. We see a great display of the need to be healed and the need to exercise demons. In verse 33, we are told that the whole city was gathered together at the door. The initial image of the walking dead is now replaced with the image of the entire city at Simon's doorstep. Christ's popularity is growing. His fame is increasing. People are not just bringing those who are sick and spiritually oppressed. All are coming to him now, whether they be rich or poor or healthy or unhealthy. What once looked like a mob of dead people now looks like a civilized city in need of salvation. And this is my point. We are all in need of healing and wholeness. Every one of us, whether we know this or not. We are afflicted by sickness and spiritual forces. We need Christ to relieve and we need Christ to save. But notice that this crowd was not there when Jesus exposited the scriptures in the synagogue. What were they? They did not come when he was proclaiming the truth. They came when he was performing miracles. They were there because they were seeking relief from their suffering, not salvation from their sin. Sometimes we're like that, aren't we? Sometimes we cry out to Jesus because we simply want relief, not because we want truth. 
Well, it's good to cry out to God and it's good to receive healing and comfort from him. It is important to remember that these gifts are not the ultimate gift, are they? They are simply signs pointing to the one who is the true gift and is truly good. May we seek not just relief, but may we seek the one who is salvation. Yeshua, Jesus Christ. We are told in verse 34 that Jesus healed many who were sick and cast out many demons. But we are also told that he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. You see how suddenly we pivot We pivot from the crowd seeking relief to the Christ, the suffering servant. No longer is this about those who need relief. It is about the one who is truly relieving. Not just healing physical diseases, but giving spiritual life too. He has power over the flesh and he has power over the devil. How else could he heal and how else could he cast out demons? But this is not just about who is more powerful. This is about who he is. Christ does not allow the demons to identify himself because he is the only one who can reveal himself. He is the only giver of life. He is the God who gives and the God who takes away. He reveals and conceals and creates. Scholars have called this the messianic secret but I like to call it the messianic sovereignty. He is truly powerful. He is true, the true authority. And he truly unites. His authority is undeniable and he is showing his supreme powerful power. But why does he have such power? What lessons are we to learn from him? What example does he provide? What are we to do if we are to be his followers? If we are to live on mission? What does his power have to do with that? We see this in our final verses. We see how Christ distances himself from the pressing crowd. How? Through prayer. And we see how Christ directs Simon and the others towards his mission. Through preaching of the word. First, we are told that Christ rose early in the morning while it was still dark and went to a solitary place to refresh himself in prayer. He distanced himself from the pressing crowd and all other distractions by isolating himself in prayer. This is one of the three times that Mark mentions Jesus going out at night to pray. The other times he mentions this was when he walked on water and in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night that he was betrayed. It is in moments of popularity and storm and betrayal that Christ isolated himself to pray. Such wisdom it is for every one of us that we should heed if we wish to walk in the spirit like our Lord, then let us follow his example And pray. Let us pray often and let us pray frequently. For when baptized, we are told that Jesus prayed. 
When transfigured, he was praying. Before he chose his apostles, he spent all night in prayer. When he had great fame, he went alone and he prayed. When tempted in Gethsemane, he said, sit here while I pray. If we are to walk in the spirit and overcome the pressing of the crowd, if we are to focus on the mission of God and not become distracted by the flesh, then we must pray. For the test of true religion, as we prayed in our collect this morning, is that we be people of prayer. Now notice how Simon and others search deep and wide to find Jesus in verse 36. And when they find him, notice how Simon provides a slight rebuke. He says, Jesus, everyone is looking for you. In other words, you don't have time to seclude yourself in prayer. You have ministry to perform. You have people to serve. Your fame is spreading. They want you. They need you. They are sick and oppressed by demons. But is Christ's purpose to serve the needs of man? Or is it to serve the will of the Father? We must be careful not to reduce God's interest to man's interest. Like our Lord, we must do the will of the Father if we are to be the household of God and if we are to serve his mission. And notice Christ's response. He does not jump to his feet with enthusiasm, hearing Simon's words. He does not respond by saying, let's go plant a church. We have a healthy core. No, Christ did not play into the masses and the powers of the world. Why? Because he was a man of prayer. He was in the spirit. He had communion with the father and it kept him focused on the mission. Instead, Christ provides words that direct them to the mission of God. He says, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Now, I find it interesting that Jesus does not try to persuade Simon and these others who were with him. No, he simply directs them to the mission. He changes the subject. He says, let's go and preach to the next town. Christ could have spent his earthly ministry performing ceremonies like Aaron. Christ could have spent his earthly ministry serving as a king like David. But Christ spent his earthly ministry praying and preaching. Yes, he came to preach to towns his good news, just as the Father had intended. What an honor it is for us to be people of prayer and people of preaching. He did this not just to provide relief to the suffering. He did this to reveal the God who saves. And so what does it mean to be missional? It doesn't have to do with how many people we serve or how many projects we do or how much money we give. It has to do with being the household of God. It has to do with being united and transformed with a love for our heavenly father through his blessed son. If we are to be God's children, then we must be people of prayer 
and people of proclamation. We will be people who are spiritually communing with our Father and people proclaiming the glorious good news of the Son if we be the household of God. By being united with God, we have a joy. We have a joy to practice the ministry of the Spirit and the ministry of the Word. So let us be strengthened by our Lord's example this morning. Let us never tire from being a people who pray and preach the gospel. This is the mission of the church. When God is seen as Savior, He is known as Healer. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.